All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are back with part two of our conversation with Funky George Brown of Cool in the Gang. I love this conversation for several reasons. Get Down On It is my absolute favorite song of all time, and Celebration was played at my bar mitzvah, of course. If you haven't yet, please listen to part one with George, where he speaks about growing up in Jersey City and how that toughened him, the band's early success, and his skills as a drummer. George just penned a memoir, Cool and the Gang and Me, which is available right now. George Cool and the rest of the band also just released a new album, People Just Want to Have Fun. Make sure you check that out. But first, part two of QLS with Funky George Brown. I'm assuming during this period that you guys don't have day jobs as well. Like we did an episode with uh, Millie Jackson only to find out that she was basically Millie Jackson on the weekends. Right. And then Monday through Thursday, she go back to her day job. Where was she? She was she working in, in Manhattan. Or something. Yeah, she was in well, an office. Yeah. Well, yeah, she was working in the garment district yeah. of uh, Manhattan right. w- while she was, you know, doing live and bitching like at the peak of it. Is one able to make a comfortable living, especially in an eight man group, which I assume is is different than the setup with Earth, Wind and Fire and which, you know, which is basically the Maurice White group and he's paying them as yeah, you know, work for hire, you know, or contracted work for hire. But Understood, yeah. Like in, in okay, so say it's 76 like right right before you guys do, uh, after Jungle Boogie and right before uh, Open Sesame comes into play. We were uh, very lucky. There were no J-Jobs. In the initial period, uh, say 1969, mm-hmm. uh, then I think at that point, Cletus Smith uh, had a job delivering. Uh, but uh, after we signed a contract with Delight, uh, we worked. We've, we've always worked. We've always had a gig. So you so, never um, had a regular job, huh, George? The regular jobs were when we were doing... And, and still doing the nightclubs, but um, still n- no one was hitting the punch in the time clock. Mm-hmm. 
like that. It wasn't like that. It just changed because that first record, calling the gang by calling the gang, number thirty-eight with a bullet on top one hundred. That the record uh, changed the whole atmosphere. Most black artists got to go to black charts or this chart. That record went pop with a bullet. So you guys had a fair deal then. Yeah, we got a fair deal then. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we got a blessing because not many black acts just popped up number 38 with a bullet or the top right. 100. <laughs> so we were working. So there was work. It might have been slow here and there. But we 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 did work. So if, if I want to ask you about publishing, because I'm curious where you got your publishing education, because we talk about hip hop. But if your publishing wasn't right from the start, it wouldn't even matter because you wouldn't have been receiving, you know, the profits of your the, work. The, the BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, and all of our, from Warner Chapel and mm-hmm. BMG and all that. Uh, well, early on, like with Gene Red, again, he was a guy, uh, he told us all about that. You know, and uh, so, therefore, we were receiving, I mean, I signed with BMI when I was 19, right? And that's because of mm-hmm. uh, Gene Red. All of all of us had, you know, and, uh, and er- earning from first Delight, but then when Polygram bought Delight, then the royalties uh, for uh, writing and publishing came from... Uh, Polygram and Warner Chapel and BMI, sorry. And then uh, the artist royalties also came out of Polygram. So oh. so we, we we knew. One of the most pivotal, crucial moves that you guys did was adding JT Taylor. But um, there's actually a second factor that not many people talk about. You guys went with a very unorthodox direction associated with legendary Brazilian producer, Amir uh, Diodato. Right before we started, he, he called me twice. Right before really? we started. Really? I looked up and said, Dio. I said, I Because, you know, when you talk oh. to Dio, you got to bring a lunch. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want to know, what was the meeting or the, the decision process, one, to bring in a lead singer, and two, to work with not only an outside producer, but a Brazilian uh, producer, which, I mean, I would imagine in 1979, one would figure that, you know, I got to go to the top of the pile, like either get with Gamble and Huff, or, you know, Norman uh, of... Norman Harris. I, I knew it was Norman, Norman Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what made you guys go with uh, uh, Amir Diodato of well, of all well, things? Not really known for a pop sense, or I mean, you know, he dabbled in disco, but not enough for me to be like, okay, this is our do or die moment. Let's get with him. <laughs> well, Dio at seventeen years old was like the number one arranger and producer in all of Brazil. Uh, and he, he had written strings for Carlos Jobim, you know. Uh, most of our heads were in that, you know, that thing. He wrote for Carlos mm-hmm. Jobim. Woo. Uh, so our heads were still in that jazz. Irene Conrad over at House of Music, she introduced, I, I, I think I got the story right. There might be some loose ends. Uh, Khalees to James J.T. Taylor. 
I think Ron Sweeney had said it. Uh, it's time to uh, bring in a, a lead singer. You guys can do it. Uh, we looked at Stevie because we did a lot of work with Stevie. Well, Stevie helped us out so many times when the bus would break down. Really? Call Stevie. Yeah. And he'd help us out. Really? Yeah. So Steve would help us out numerous times. And um, uh, we wanted him to come in to produce. Yeah, he said, sorry, fellas, I got to get my own album happening at that right. time. So we had a manager, Val Hackett. Val uh, shopped, and um, I call it shopping, but he got Yumia Diodato, which was a, a, a great blessing. It meshed just like dovetail, like, man, the beauty is just connected. He was the right guy for cooling the gang because all the music, the guys knew, you know, you know, the, we were all musician, musicians, mm -hmm. guys who knew all the, the chord changes and, you know, what have you, all, all the scales and sit down and actually write it out. With him, it was easy. If mm -hmm. we, if we were, he would write that down. And weeks later, when the horns would come in, he said, somebody went shopping, which is a simple line. Right. right. And, uh, but guys would write those parts down as well. You know, Clifford mm -hmm. Adams, who played trombone, would have a, a, a trombone case full of music. Dio was the right choice. Uh, and not, not only the, the right choice for the music, but the right choice in really organizing the band and how we did things. He brought it to a, a whole other level, you know, making sure that everything was uh, notated. Everything was written down. As a drummer, I always wanted to know, how hard was it to sort of adjust your sound for the times? Because even I noticed me as a drummer, I've pretty much stayed kind of consistent for my 30 years of drumming in, in the roots and on record. Like, I've not... I mean, I'll, if I change my sounds for experimental purposes, but not like, hey, let me let me adjust to the sound and the climate of where it is today. But like the groove that you're playing on, let the music take your mind, is not the same tone or or the same uh, sound as Jones versus oh. Jones or, or or celebration or whatnot. So at the time, how aware are you as the heartbeat of the band? that like the most radical sound change of the band has to be with the drums. It, it might sound strange because you hear all this from me. Uh, it, it didn't bother me. It was like, let's go with the flow. This is what it is. This is going to help us move forward. Uh, this is what's going to uh, bring a wider, wider range of audience. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, total, totally amenable to it. And, and, and actually, didn't think about it too much, but of course you're right because later on, because I, I play piano as well, and okay. uh, I got to a point where okay, enough of this, and I just switched over to keyboards. Yeah. Oh wow. That's what I was going to ask you about too. That's like a major move that I don't hear what, about too often. From drums yeah. to keyboards. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh well, I always played piano. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it goes back to we talk about church. It goes back. I've always played. But in you your know. group, you always played drums until you decided, 
I'm I'm going and, back to and in writing. I when we had our writing session. I right. you know. Right. How does the songwriting process start? Do you guys just say, "Hey, I got an idea, guys. What do y'all think about this?" Or do you bring it? Like, do you bring it to DT? Do you bring it to Ronald first? Like, how does the songwriting well, process start? We, it, it was us. We just bring it to us. You know, guys say whether they like it or not. And if they like it, then uh, we got down on it. That's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. You know, nice. with, with Diodato, a little more different because uh, every morning he would pick me up. I lived in Manhattan, then Gramercy Park. And he said, oh, senor, uh, let me see your homework. So you pop in the cassette, you got your, your legal pad, you start singing. And he, he'll, he'll either uh, bust your ego then by saying, that's not happening. And mm. or he'd actually, if he felt like it, he said, that's very cute. <laughs> but it's not working. <laughs> oh, wow. Or, or he'll say, senor, you've done it again. Love the lines. And so we would apply, you know, people would have different lines to put in the song mm-hmm. and they would work you know, perfectly, you know. So we, we shared the story of how Celebration got written, uh, at least Ronald's version of, of how Celebration got written. Um, but are there any other universe, like unusual stories of that? For listeners who didn't hear um, that particular episode, Ronald Bell said that he was backstage at a Rick James and Prince show and Prince had just did I want to be your lover and in between the set changeover from Prince to Rick James Ronald runs backstage and finds a piano and figures out the chords that I want to be your lover and he writes it and notates it down and then he plays it backwards and that rhythm of dun 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 winds up being da 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 Yeah. And, but, I mean, for the songwriting process, especially in the period in which you guys are having unstoppable, you know, pop classics one after the other, are there any other unusual stories of how songs got written? No, I, not really. You know, sometimes guys would pass on a song. Uh, I would take it and and write a first verse of lyric. And give it to JT. He said, "This is happening." And uh, the next thing you know, uh, we have a complete song because uh, you got two members working on it. Uh, we've got the the chord structure figured out, and uh, we're writing the melody and lyric. And uh, bingo! So you, you got something. And it's the funny thing about it. Uh, they went to number five pop, you know, but the, mm-hmm. the band itself didn't like it. That was Take My Heart, you know, and it was very, very poppy, all that. But it's you gone. didn't like that song? No, I, I, I helped write it. I was going to say that, that was my aunt's song, man. That was the one I took. <laughs> I took it because the band didn't like it. Clayton Smith wrote it, the guitar player. Right. Okay. Uh, but the band didn't like that. With a twelve eight. Right. So I said, "No, give it to me." Took it home. Right. No time for wishing, baby. We've gone all through those moves. I'm often satisfied. So the next day, of course, get to the studio. Jay, we like JT. What do you think? He said, "Man, I like this." I've been going through a a Luther phase in the last like month and a half, reading his his book and listening to his music, and I realized that. 
the world is going through a drought of a good shuffle song. Oh my god! Like, and take my heart is like kind of I dog. I, the, I remember the, when the that came out. Is that shuffle, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Can you talk about the, the phenomenon that is celebration? Like, what what were the band's general reaction to, like, celebration winds up being way past an anthem. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty much music DNA. Like, it's, it's. With celebration, we're on the tour bus and leaving L.A., uh, 
the night before we won two American Music Awards. Mm -hmm. So the song was germinating then, but that's what you got from Earl Smith. Yep, you know. So so let's let's put that in there because really? that's very celebrate celebratory, you know. So just just to put that in the song gives it that boost, you know. But in regards to it becoming, I mean, to the point where it's like stadiums and weddings and bar mitzvahs and, and weddings and bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, yeah. backyard barbecues. It's it's a it's an amazing, it's a blessing, and it is uh, one of those songs that uh, I'm going to say you can't deny and you must play it every evening. Did it ever become burdensome? Because I know a lot of acts when they get a mammoth hit of that caliber then it's like selling becomes a it becomes a burden no you know uh what happens and you know when you're playing sometimes you're playing the piece and you played it a thousand times but it becomes organic like you right. know and guys are playing the right chords but it's just got this just tonight i, I mean while you're playing quest or the piano he's playing, it has another little lilt to it, another little thing to it. And you're playing it, but it has another feel that night. Not, you know, it's not the record feel, yeah. the people feel it. So that's what happens. It turns into this piece of music that each night you play it, it has a different feeling. And and you, when you're singing it as well, it's coming out different, but it's the same thing. There's a party going on right here. But it's coming out different for some reason, and you feel different about it. And when you get off, everybody great, nice show, man, great show. Nobody uh, feels that man is burning a hole in our shoes. Right. <laughs> well, no one's complaining. Can I ask about another anthem real quick? I just I'm curious to how uh, so many fellas come up with another anthem, but this one about the ladies. I, I don't yeah. know. If we asked Ronald that question, but I was like, how? Did you know to embody what a ladies' night was? How does? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I can tell. Who likes to go out and have fun? Okay. So he uh, said, uh, you know, the new thing in clubs now, on a Friday, Saturday, whatever, it's ladies' night. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, yes. me walking from Fifty Seventh Street back down to Gramercy, I'm watching how people, the gape of people's walk. Uh, just how people walk. And yeah, right. I said, yeah. yeah. I said, man, people are walking like uh, a jazz walk, ba work on baseline. So I went home, sat <laughs> at the piano, and started harmonizing it. And uh, the different key changes, as you know, showed it to Diodato. Hey, this is what we need. So we got wow. together and wrote on it. We had We had the track already. You know, you know, the horns are were playing with the girls were singing, and uh, JT and myself and Khalees got on the lyrics and done. We're done. What was it about JT that appealed to the band as far as his voice? I once heard somebody describe that if Nat King Cole had been born thirty years later, like basically it would have been J the voice of JT Taylor. Like that's how smooth. JT's voice was basically he was like Nat King Cole like but for you like what was the appeal to that sort of voice and were there other acts 
that or, or other uh, singers that you guys auditioned before you decided on James J.T. Taylor? I don't want to mention people's names I like that, but there was some make that, the cut? <laughs> that are well known. But J.T. did have, and still does, that golden tone in his voice. Mm-hmm. Great lyricist, by the way, too. And uh, what we did in the studio is go in and, and roll a little bit of that on mm-hmm. through his voice to enhance his voice even more so. You know, when you're in the studio and say, well, that sounds a little uh, weak there or a little mid-rangey. Let's work on that. So mm-hmm. we did some work on his voice as well, you know, like everybody does. But he, he started off with it. He had it. Okay. Uh, we felt that his voice was pop pure pop and it worked at that time you know uh it had a, a certain innocence in it non-intimidating all of that and uh just just a pop artist i mean you know uh, we could have went for the teddy pendergrass the mm-hmm. luther vandross we could have went for it to be part of it but we we felt that it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work and the other singers that you were considering for that spot was it was there anyone notable that we would have known that almost had a chance to be in the group? Yeah. And you can't yeah. name who they are? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it's still a big I, thing. I, I don't want any letters coming to my mailbox. <laughs> I mean, we can pontificate, what? though. If we pontificate, can you just not? Like, you know, Howard Hewitt. No, I'm just joking. I just the one out. No. Ah, no. damn. <laughs> just, just like when you, when you mentioned the Vigoritos and, you know. Right. Yeah, you you leave that alone. Yeah, no, oh, okay. You're right. I, yeah. I got you. How easy was it for him to adjust to being in the group? I, easy. It was was easy. he the same age as you guys, or was he younger? A few years younger, just a few. So we're all in the same genre, basically age wise. Uh, uh, not too far. I think he. I think I'm four years older than James. Okay. You know, uh, but no, we were. The guys who would go to Reese Beach in Brooklyn and throw the frisbee around, have the, the girlfriends, mm-hmm. that that type of stuff. We we were the guy we hang out, you know, like where the song comes from. That uh, so we were always together uh, in some capacity, even going to the movies. How are you guys able to maintain any level of not like a domestic lifestyle, but like, how are you able to balance that, especially like during that time period in which you guys are working class musicians? That, that was very hard uh, during that time period because when we'd go out, we'd go out for two months at a time. Uh, you know, we went mm-hmm. out with Van Halen, that's four months. But the thing ah. is that there's a, a big tour break, you know, same thing with Kid Rock, you have a tour break. But with us, we go out for two months, and you're out there. You're not coming back. Wow. Okay. Especially in the first half of the 80s in which, you know, those unstoppable hits are coming in. How are you balancing out the shows in terms of which audience to please? Like, in your 80s show, does does Open Sesame still have a home is is Jungle Boogie and, and Funky Stuff still getting the same response? Is JT singing Funky Stuff and in, in that and Jungle Boogie also like with the band? Like with, with Jungle Boogie, uh, it was almost like we would all take a spot going, uh, uh, 
Okay. You know, as long <laughs> as we kept that going, you know, somebody, you know, get down with the boogie, that type right. of stuff. Uh, the same thing with funky stuff, you know. So that was a uh, sing-along. So the whole band, so everybody sang, you know, uh, with, with funky stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Jungle Boogie, just just drop in, <laughs> you know. I uh, see. It's very easy that way as well. It, you know, it didn't make it, like, uh, hard for anyone. You know, you just sang it. I know that there was a JT's exit in 88. He was just gone without really like without any warning whatsoever. I still don't understand that all these years. I yeah. You know, so what well, happened in 1988? Because you guys had this I don't unbelievable know. streak, and then that's it. So what was the story of of his exit and how? I believe me, Quest. I, I was speaking about that uh, last week. Okay. Uh, with. Uh, I think it was my engineer Wolfgang. No rhyme, no reason. It was just that uh, uh, he got a bunch of money from, uh, I think it was A and M or MCA, and MCA. He went on, he went yeah. on to do yeah. his went on to do his thing, and because um, uh, when he first came out, I mean, he and I uh, we were roommates, you know, right. in all those okay. hotels in the beginning, and. Uh, not only roommates, we'd go out and hang out in the clubs together, come back, and all the good stuff. So uh, to this very day, I don't know. I okay. really, really don't know. And I was searched. There was a time where I was saying, uh, so let's call Ron Sweeney. Ron will call JT's manager and talk over things, and let's let's get JT back out on the road. You know, uh, it, it, it would never move forward. For some odd reason. When do you remember the the last time you had the conversation? Or the last time we worked with Jay? Well, he came back in the mid nineties, I believe. He right? came back in the mid nineties, and then he left again. Okay. Uh, whatever that was about. But when we got the songwriters Hall of Fame, he came out. We straightened up the course because the band had the wrong changes. Uh, that, <laughs> right. Funny yeah, that he said it was this, and uh, but he came out and sang. Uh, and it sounded like uh, we never separated. How did you guys come across, or how did you guys wind up enlisting the services of um, um, Skip Martin of uh, the Daz Band? Yeah, the Daz Band to be uh, JT's replacement in 88. Well, um, Adele Band, peace and blessings be upon him, yeah, he passed away. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Adele, our, our, our manager, was mm-hmm. in a tragic car accident, and oh, he sorry, passed yeah. away. But okay. um, he brings Skip over to my home. You know, uh, Skip was a good singer, uh, so it worked. What also worked was that he's a monstrous uh, uh, trumpet player. You know, yeah. He is? Uh, oh, Skip? Yeah, I didn't know oh, that. Skip is a monster. Okay. You can put up with uh, Terrence Blanchard and, you know, he's beside, he's that guy. Uh, Miles, you know, and when he puts that mute on, he's great. So he added greatly to the, the horn front. Uh, vocally, I, I know that different members in the band, uh, uh, 
didn't. Uh, I know Cleese didn't like his vocals. That's for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, you know, because it's too Vegasy. Right, yeah. right. But um, we we made it work. By the time we got Sean, who was close to JT vocally, Skip was just singing background and uh, playing trumpet. But the horn section was extremely tight. You know, and Khalees come Khalees loved Skip's horn uh, as trumpet playing as well. Loved it. And I do as well. You know, every time we have a session, even now if we're working for something, we call Skip, you know, Ravi Best, Skip, those guys. So Skip's tenure was rather rather short. Then we brought in Odin Mays, oh, who was a bass baritone, great pianist. Uh, so we had both Skip and uh, uh, Odin Mays doing leads. The, the the audiences loved it because you have the guy with that like like Blue Love it with that bar, that voice, right? You know? Yeah, uh, and then you got the. Uh, that uh, that that tenor, that Irish tenor that Skip has, you know, uh, and then uh, I don't know who it was, but uh, Sean McQuilla. Uh, I, when he came in, Sean has been with the band, God, now, I don't know, 30, 40 years, maybe a little more, and his voice is very close to JT, but he has more of a rasp on it. So yeah, good good singer and also a great guitar player, fabulous guitarist. You know these days he can't pick up the guitar like he he wants to, but as playing him, he's great. You know we have Rick Marcel out there as well, also guitarist, bassist. Rick has played with Prince and Stephanie Mills. Everybody's fabulous. You know and Amir Amir. Uh, plays every instrument as well. It's, it's crazy. Crazy good. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. 
Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned something earlier, and it did hit me that I think... In 2014 to 2015, my, my guitar player, Kirk, came up to me. He's like, man, you'll never guess where I was last night. And I was like, what? He's like, I was at a Van Halen show. And cool and the gang open. You guys were touring with, what was that show like? <laughs> cool and the gang and Van Halen. Loud. <laughs> we, we play loud. And they were loud. I mean, it was so loud that, uh, especially during sound check. I'd go outside. You couldn't take it, you know. They were wow. loud. But uh, that uh, Van Halen, great band, uh, tight, great band, good guys, bunch of guys, mm-hmm. you know. And here's David is a major soul fan. That much I do know. And he... the, 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 you know the forum here. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was kept on the QT, but. Uh, those are that's where all the rehearsals were for the tour at the okay. forum, and, you know. So we said we were saying ourselves like, "Wow, what 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 power you rent out the forum for rehearsal, yeah. you know?" That's a flex. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that's a flex. Don't forget to get George's book, Too Hot and Cool. Yes, that, can you talk about your memoir? Like, how long did it take you to write that? Because I'm slow, it took about ten years. And there's a lot of stuff that was taken out uh, for political reasons, for whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff would be quite shocking. So he took. I talked to Dave Smitherman uh, when I was in D.C. So we just plucked stuff out that, okay. uh, you know, some of the stuff that we alluded to about those guys, you uh-huh. know. And uh, I once again, I never mentioned people's names. Right. The story was started and things but uh if i mentioned their names and, and what i was involved with and it was just i was involved with uh one of their daughters oh, oh. this is a movie yeah. Yeah, oh. this is a movie yeah 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 okay. and, uh, it, it was like uh 
he he was you know he was up here at a totem pole, not down here at a totem pole. Oh, yeah. So that was Bronx Tale, cooling the game. Yeah, that's, that's, that that was quite dangerous because she even said this is a a little dangerous. They were. They it's were, a lot of dangerous. They were. You know, <laughs> you'd be on the other side if my dad knew. Yeah, could you tell me what your three favorite Cool and the Gang songs are? But oh, can you also just tell me what was your favorite song to create? Well, wait, are you one of those? They're all my kids, and I can't separate them. No, 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 I'm not one of those guys. I okay. Wild and oh. Peaceful from the Wild and Peaceful album. Okay, yeah, that the title song. I remember John Coltrane. Okay, so, I love that too. Yeah, that and um, it's just really none of the hits, none of the big. That's fine. Uh, like for uh, us, those are the hits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Little children is one of our favorites of all yeah, time. Yeah, all the little right? children. Yeah, man. Mm. You know, ne never uh, ch don't change. And the, the third would be Fruit Man. No, it's uh, we got some <sighs> rhythm songs in there. Uh, Caribbean Festival. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. It, was, it had all that looseness in it that you'd find in some of that. And so when you hear it, you go, oh, man, da, da, ba, 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 in the horns, you know. Just, you know, it's that group. And you got that, you know, so it was great. Okay. Know? So making making those three like your your, your favorite, yeah. I, you know, at, at, as I said, at the top of the show, man. It's it's really kind of our mission here on the show, just you know, to give flowers to legendary people that otherwise might not get their their just due as far as um you know the legacy that they set forth, and definitely you know for all of us here, you know, Cool and the Gang represents. I mean, it's an institution of of right, of just. Sure brilliant and you know it sustained all music all times you know all spaces and still strong to this day i mean even my band you know goes through a cool in the gang moment in our current show and you know the songs are are, are... But plus you have uh jermaine jermaine bryson oh oh tuba yeah yeah jermaine yeah. yes I, I know that he plays with you guys yeah, tuba's brother with... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he plays he plays with them now. Yeah. Yeah, man. But we just thank you for coming on the show and we appreciate your, you know, your legacy and, and, and everything um, that you've done. And straight up, thank you. Thank all you your break beats and everything. <laughs> we we love that. We love it to I, death. I thank you. I you know, um I'm not gonna say it's been a long hard road, it's been a long, beautiful road to being as a creator. Uh, you know, because uh, Ronald and I sit and come with materials. He and I, were, uh, especially back in uh, the late 70s and early 80s, that's what we did. We just sat in the studio and uh, reverse things, put together live albums, you know, right. from all the tapes. You you know the deal. And yeah. just, had, just had a ball. It'd be in the all night, 6 o'clock in the morning. You say, I'll see you in a few hours. Come back again into that whole set. That that uh, that's worth everything, you know. Uh, as far as creative people is concerned, I mean, that's that's worth it all, you know. And 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 it, and it becoming successful too. And if it doesn't become successful, you go back and you tweet, 
what did we do? What, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So, well, and uh, I, I appreciate you having me on uh, as well. Thank you for being here, man. You, thank you. you. But it makes it, it just like all of us. It, it makes it a little harder, <laughs> you know, when you go. I love your music, and you got to, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing. The fan, yeah. the, the, the adoring, loving fans. But um, truly, truly uh, heartfelt. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, and on, on behalf of uh, Sugar Steve Fontigal, I'm Pay Bill, Laia, and myself. Uh, this is Quest Love Supreme. Shout out to uh, Jake and Brittany. Thank you for holding it down. Our family at iHeart. And we'll see y'all next week uh, on the next go round of Quest Love Supreme. Hey, All boss, right? don't, don't forget. Brand new Cool in the Gang album in stores, stores, stores. Why he's the, the minister of information in, in this band. <laughs> I'll take that. All right. Next week, y'all. Thank you. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Blessings. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.